uh, one of my favorite times. Uh, Heather mentioned we're going into 21 United. That's going to start next Sunday. So you're going to hear more about 21 United. Uh, as we embark on this journey, I always like to take January. And uh, this is kind of an interesting weekend because it's obviously still December. But that I, I want to kind of set the tone for where we're going in the next three weeks today. I want to kind of give you an intro of where we're we're going and how it's going to get started. But to, to do that, I want to re- bring you back just a little bit, back to September when we launched our theme. Our theme for this year was to, to reawaken. We felt like God was really calling us as a church to be reawakened in areas of our lives that had either fallen asleep or, for some, uh, gone completely dormant or even, to some, even dead. To, to reawaken some of those places. Maybe it was reawaken a passion for uh, that dream that you once had. Or perhaps it's a, a reawakening of your marriage vows and going back and saying who it is that we are and how we're going to get better and, and what we need to do to get some counsel. Maybe it's reawakening that hope that that wayward child of yours will come back and be back to the place where they once were, or maybe even better. Reawaken was really a, a, a charge. It was this clarion moment to say, let's wake up to these moments, right? Let, let's, let's wake up to what it is that God's calling us to. So back in September, we started in the book of Ezekiel. We talked about the valley of dry bones, and we talked about how that which was dead, in fact, the, the Ezekiel actually says the bones were dead, they were dry. In fact, it says they were very dry. It begins to spell out, remember it was back in 590 BC, it was a time when Ezekiel and 10,000 of his closest friends were taken captive into Babylon and in that moment of being taken into captivity, there was a, a hopeless thought that nothing would ever be the same, that it would never be restored, it would never come back to its original luster. And there's, a, there's an amazing question, let me read just real quickly in Ezekiel 37, chapter 1, it says this, I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 37, verse 1. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me and brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me out into the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. The bones were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I just got to thinking about this last week, about how those places in our lives that perhaps have gone dormant or dead or seemingly lost, that, that moment, that place in your life that you had been dreaming about, and it just seems like somehow it had, has gone away and you'll never get that thing back. I just had this moment in my heart. I was thinking about this going, God, where are, where are we at now in this moment? Have we, have we, how do we answer the question that God asked Ezekiel in that moment? Can these bones live? It got me thinking about where we are today in January, just a few months separated from the launching of that vision. Can these bones live? And got me back to asking the question, can your marriage get restored? Can that wayward child come back? Can that dream come back to life? Can there be a new enlivening of that hope that you thought you'd lost? Can these bones live? Can can they live? And I love the fact that God asked Ezekiel that. God clearly knows the answer to the question. But it just made me stop and think, can these things live? That seems so far gone. I feel like this morning I want to just ask you that question as we're getting ready to head into this next year. Can can these bones live? Can that thing that you thought was lost or gone or forever to the rear view mirror, can can it live? Can it be restored? Can you be awakened to that? Really, the answer to that question has a lot to do with stepping out and believing God in faith. has a lot to do with your willingness to accept the process 
Maybe even has the, something to do with what Dave talked about a minute ago in receiving the tithes and offerings about the fact that, that we can actually trust God in these areas that we, we thought we were responsible for. Can these bones live? I think as we're heading into this next year, as we're getting ready to knock on the door of 2019 for the love of Jesus, will these bones live? Can that thing be brought back to life or maybe restored into a way that you never thought possible? Hmm. Reawaken. This morning I want to start uh, the first of four in a series entitled Reawaken Shalom. Everyone say shalom. Shalom. Shalom is a Hebrew word that means peace. Peace. Just saying it means something, doesn't it? In fact, it's, it's more than peace, and we'll talk a little bit more about the definition, but shalom. I, I feel like if, there's, if there is a more valuable commodity on planet Earth that we're all striving to get, I don't know what it is. I don't think it's money. I don't think it's any of that stuff. I think there's something about this peace commodity that every one of us wants. We'll spend any amount of money to get it. We'll, we'll literally, we'll, we'll, we'll even break relationship and violate values in our own lives just to get a sniff at peace. We'll smoke it, shoot it, take it, uh, buy it, spend it, work it out. We'll do anything we possibly can to just get a taste of peace. Think about your own life. Just to get that retirement thing set up or that, 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 that moment where we can have a few hours of this, even if it's phony, peace, peace. That's why pornography works so well. That's why uh, all the crazy decisions work so well that we do is because just for a moment there's that good feeling of whatever. Though it leads to death, we're willing to take that risk. So many people, so many of us as humans will do anything we can to just get a minute of peace. Just get a second of shalom. Do we see the value? And the funny thing is, is like every, every human, it's not just Christians, every human on planet Earth is striving for one thing. It's the one thing that we're lacking ever since sin came into the world was finding peace. Right? We sang a song just last week, Jesus is the peace on earth, goodwill towards men, right? He, bre- he came into the planet so that we could be restored to peace. Like he was where shalom, it really begins and ends. Here's my question. If Jesus came to bring peace on earth, why are we still trying so hard to find it? If Jesus is peace on earth, why are we doing everything except what he told us, told us to do to get it? Peace. Shalom. I want to talk to you the next several weeks about reawakening shalom in your life. Reawakening shalom. Let's pray. God, thank you for an opportunity to get into your word. Would you help us to do that? God, we need you a bunch. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom actually means a little bit more than just peace in the Old Testament. In fact, it's a word that also means the absence of war or conflict. Shalom is a Hebrew word meaning peace, harmony, wholeness, or completeness. Shalom is also used as a greeting if you were a Hebrew or if you were to go over to Israel today and you were to talk to somebody, someone would say, they would shake your hand or they would hug you or kiss you on the cheek or whatever, but they would say to you inevitably, Shalom. Peace, peace be with you. That's, that's, how they, that's how they greet each other. Instead of like, yo, they would say shalom, right? In fact, on the Sabbath over there, you'll hear it all the time when you're over there, uh, the word Sabbath in Hebrew is pronounced Shabbat. 
So they would say to you, every single Sabbath, usually on the eve before Sabbath, on Friday, they'll shake your hand or hug you or kiss you on the cheek and say, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. They'll just say that all the time because what they're trying to say to you is have peace as you take your Sabbath tomorrow. Be at peace. There's this idea of peace. Is this, it's prevailing. It's, it's, it's prominent. The hope is there. Now, whether or not they walk in shalom or they receive shalom or they give shalom or whatever it is, that's still a prevailing message that's given there. The absence of war or conflict. There's something about shalom that's way more than just, hey, good luck. The word shalom is this picture of, a, of, a, of an unblemished, uncracked, unspotted, unpocked rock. This rock that's smooth and hard and, 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 and durable. It's a rock that's made up of many elements, perhaps, but it's just this picture of this solid, immovable thing that is completely itself. Shalom, at peace. It's also the picture of a, of a, of a stone or a brick wall that's to be built. The idea of its complete, solid barrier that it's supposed to be. Shalom, its wholeness, its wellness. Does what it's supposed to do. Keeps the, the good guys in and the bad guys out. The idea of, a, of, of shalom is, is way more than just Good luck. I hope all goes well with you. Shalom is this enduring, uh, completed part of who God wants us to be. I mean, would you want some of that? Where do you get some of that? I'd like to spray some on me, right? Some, everybody wants a little shalom. The real, real problem is, is how do you get it? And once you do get it, how do you keep it? Shalom, it's interesting. Every, every not, not even some, but I, I'll bet every religion... Uh, every cult, every occult, every, everything has at its end-all result this desire for some sort of shalom, some completeness. Uh, they don't call it that. Some of them call it, I wrote down here, their zen or their centeredness or their uh, at-oneness with the universe or their harmony with all. Uh, you say it, their feng shui. I don't know. They're, they're, there's all kinds of things used to try to define that idea of being at completeness, without conflict, out of battle, without the threat of war. I mean, all of that stuff, right? Every one of us would be like, man, bring some of that on. Come on. And we'll do anything to just get a taste of it. We'll do anything to try to get a sniff at it. It's interesting, in the book of Job, and many of you know the book of Job. Uh, if you don't, it's in the Bible. It looks like Job, right? But in the book of Job, there's this fella who basically was doing everything he possibly could to do the right things before God. The devil, the Bible says, uh, went up to God and said, hey, um, everything's going right for him because you keep on giving him everything. But, but, but let his life go a little bad and watch how he curses you, God. And, and so God said, hey, man, uh, go ahead. Mess with his life a bit, and I'll show you that he'll be faithful to me. And so in this process, I'm just like, God, please never, never let that happen to me. But nevertheless, <laughs> like, I don't want to be Job in Jesus' name. But nevertheless, that, that whole moment, right? So, so after a lot of calamity happens, he loses all of his kids and all his cattle and all this, just this bedlam pours out on Job. Job had, the Bible says, three friends show up to him. One guy's name is Eliaphaz, and he says this. He says, Job, you will be at peace. He actually says this. He says, you will be at shalom with the stones of the field and its wild animals will be at shalom with you. You will find your home is kept in shalom when you visit the pastures of, and, and nothing will be missing. He's trying to tell Job, hey, listen, man, things could be really worse, but when you remain faithful, you can find shalom in the midst of chaos, in the midst of absolute bedlam. 
King David himself. The word shalom can also be, have a meaning that's well-being. Well-being is another way to say shalom. I love this. King David, before he was King David, he was just the, uh, the shepherd boy right, out in the fields of Bethlehem at the place that we saw the shepherds show up a couple of weeks, just last week. You remember the Star of David in the city of Bethlehem? I think it's the same sheep fields. In fact, quite frankly, I think it's exactly the same situation. I think David was actually a guy who was taking care of sheep that would probably be sacrificed at the altar. My, my feelings at all. But I can tell you this, this, this moment. So David's out there. His dad calls him in and he says, hey, go check on your brothers that are out at battle with King Saul. And he says, go see how their shalom is. Go check in on their shalom. Go check in and see how their shalom is. So he gives his son some cheese and some bread and all that. And he says, take them to your, your brothers and have them write me a letter to tell me about their shalom. They're in the midst of battle. They're, they're trying to fight these crazy big guys, right? They're the, the Goliaths of life. They're trying to deal with it. And, and his dad asks him to go check in on their shalom. When was the last time you found yourself in the middle of a crazy battle and were, were able to give an account on how your shalom is? Able to just say, yes, you know what? I'm good. I'm happy. I'm at peace. Most of us in the midst of battle would say, probably like David's brothers did, hey man, there's a giant right there. He's really threatening us. And the eyes remain on the battle far more than the eyes remain on the shalom that's available for us. David went and checked in on his brothers to check and see how their shalom was, how their well-being is, how their complete solidity is, how their whatever it is you want to say. I'm saying to you this morning, you came to church today, today just before we start our new year, and I'm going to ask you today the same question that David's father asked him. How's your shalom? How's your shalom? In Greek, how's your irene? Same word, irene, shalom, peace, completeness, wholeness, absence of war, or in the midst of war, still finding wholeness. How is your shalom today? Do you find yourself feeling thrown off a bit? Maybe throughout the course of your uh, Christmas celebrations, you might have bumped into somebody that, that um, well, knocked your shalom off a little, made you lose your shalom. I had this friend show up. This, we, were, we were going to be at a bunch of Christmas celebrations, probably not unlike you. You had the same things, where there's three or four parties you have to go to. And Anyway, some of them were going to include some of the same people. And so I went. There's a friend that showed up there and, and, and immediately walked in, and we, we, we hugged each other. And as we were talking, you know, I could tell that, um, that, that, that he was something a little off with this fella. And, and I remember we talked a little bit, and, and I could tell it was, he was a little more confrontive, and he was a little bit more abrasive. And so I was frustrated because I was like, what are we, why does he seem so off? And, and why is it throwing me off, right? So we get, we get home, or we're driving home, Polly and I were, and I was talking to her about this friend. And, and I, said, I said, man, he threw me off. You know, it I made me angry. In fact, I saw him, and I'm trying to remember all the sermons I just got done preaching. And I was still, I was like, my shalom. But I lost my shalom on this brother, right? So, I mean, I was like, what the, I mean, you know, come on. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, look at me smug like that. You know that person, right? Well, that person showed up in my life. And I was like, all right. So I get home. I get home. Here's what my, my sweet, godly wife says to me. She said, hey, suggestion. I said, what's that? She goes, perhaps this thing that you're dealing with with this fella uh, is not a flesh and blood issue. I was like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> no, he's a turd. You know, and so she's like, no, man, maybe it's like, like the Bible says, not a battle of flesh and blood, but like a spiritual issue. And I was like, no, 
It's not it. Thanks for the, thanks for the hint. <laughs> Come on, I'm a husband still. <laughs> Your wife says stuff. Come on, James, don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? That, that whole idea, right? So, so finally I yielded myself and I was like, you know what? She's probably right. So I actually went into pray. I prayed in tongues. I was like, I got to pray in the spirit because if this is a spiritual battle, I got to deal with it on a spiritual level. Come on. I think too, much, too many of us, we lose our shalom and we try fighting it with really, really human things. We lose our shalom and we think our job is to come back at it with human fighting human. And I realized that this person wasn't who my battle was against. And I think sometimes we forget that when we lose our shalom or we give our shalom or we do something and we, we think to ourselves like, well, it's because that, that because this, this, because the situation, because of this, whatever we come up with and we think we've given our shalom away and we can't get it back. And it's that person's fault. So I prayed. And I knew that I was going to bump into this friend again because they're close and I knew that I'd be, they'd be at one of the other parties, I'm sure. Lo and behold, they were. Next time I saw the person, he asked me for forgiveness. I was so thrown off. I was like, not yet. I'll give you free. I'll say yes about forgiveness in a minute. I'm still mad. Right? Yes. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because you're like, you're so willing. That person asked for forgiveness, and you should think that you would say, like, oh, I knew that was going to come. I didn't know it was going to come. I was just, I was postured massively defensive. Right? Again, don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about, right? And this whole idea. But the funny thing is, is like as soon as that happened and forgiveness was given, I got my shalom back. I got my peace. We, we celebrated the rest of the night. And there was a moment where I, I felt in my heart this, and as I was preparing this message, I just stopped on this issue of shalom and well-being. And it dawned on me that if I encountered this, you may have encountered this. That you might have, in fact, here's an interesting, uh, interesting thought. Uh, the Bible says uh, in, in the Greek that shalom is pronounced irene, which is was what Jesus is. Ephesians 2.14 says, for Jesus himself is our irene. It says he, was made, uh, he made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. It's, uh, the, the word shalom actually uh, is to, be, uh, to, to make something whole that's been broken again, or irene. It is to make something complete. It's the picture of uh, you have a cow and your cow climbs over your fence into your neighbor's field and eats a bunch of his wheat. And, and, and now there's this big bunch of wheat that's stuck in your cow that comes back to your house, but that, your neighbor's lost something. They, they've lost something of value. Your job now is to bring shalom to them to make it right, to deliver shalom. It's used like a verb as well. And I think some of us forget that we have the ability to give or take shalom. Let me be so bold as to tell you this. I don't believe anybody can take your shalom. I think you and I give our shalom away. Our job is to get the shalom, the irene, somehow and hang on to it and say, my peace isn't to just be flittered away. And yet I find more Christians than not walk around discouraged and depressed and thrown off because they've given their shalom away and they don't know how to get it back. Remember when Jesus was talking to his 12 disciples and he was just about to send them out for their first ministry trial. It was the one that didn't go so well, but he sent them out to send out the 12. If you looked it up in your Bibles, it's actually 
uh, in Matthew chapter 10. Let me just read this. The, the, the picture of this particular passage is all, it's the same pattern used for shalom, but this isn't what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about Jesus sending his disciples out as evangelists to, to reach the lost and dying world. But it, it's the same principle of how we're to deal with shalom. And my fear this morning is that some of us have, have given our shalom away just like the disciples. Let, let me explain. The disciples were empowered by Jesus to go into all the world. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 11. It says, Whenever you go into a village that you enter, search for some worthy person. Stay at that house until you leave. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If, you're, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. And if it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone... Uh, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or that town and shake the dust off your feet. Let me explain. I think in a lot of ways, our giving our, of our peace, our shalom, is a lot like this. You bump into that person or that scenario bumps into you, and at some point in the midst of the greeting, there's this opportunity for you to reach out and say, greetings, shalom, hello. And if it's a worthy, the Bible says worthy person here, what that word worthy means is someone who's just receptive or willing or, or uh, upstanding. That, that's just simply someone who's okay with you and will invite you in. He says, in that case, invite that person in, right? And I think some of us, we lose our peace here. Here's what happens. is we come up to somebody we bump into, perhaps like that person I met, and we, we find ourselves immediately in a defensive posture because they're in a defensive posture, or whatever brings you to that moment. Maybe you had a violation happen to you, uh, something taken from you, something, some crazy thing happened, and you're, you find yourself defensive and angry, and as if your initial greeting was something that just throws you out of your lane, and you find yourself just, ah! And so the greeting gets thrown off, and the Bible says here, when you greet that person, if they're a worthy person, in other words, if they're receptive or willing, then offer them peace. Some of us bumped into that person, offered them peace, and they took it. Because you offered it. Because I offered it. The Bible says, if that person takes it, take it back. What? Does this sound very Christian? Take my peace back? The problem with so many of us is we get this idea that peace is a commodity. That's something I give away that I can't take back or that's not mine to have. Jesus wants us to be light on the planet Earth because it's shrouded in darkness. We get to be the hope in the midst of despair. We get to go into people's lives and, and like these, these disciples did when they went to evangelize the planet was to give peace away. You have an unlimited supply. <laughs> you can give it away all you want to. The problem with so many of us is that we give our peace away and it's not received. In fact, it feels like it gets thrown on the ground and stepped on and squished. And they're like, you know, I don't want any of your peace. And then we walk away and we feel empty. We feel dirty. We feel like we've, we're missing something. And the, the, the message I really have for you this morning is that I feel like some of you gave your peace away 20 years ago. Some of you gave your peace away 40 years ago. Some of you gave your peace away two days ago. And you just feel like you're missing something. Some of you need to go and get it back. All of you need to go get it back. 
Is that you walk up to somebody and say, well, curse you, give me my peace back? That's not it at all. You're not their problem. That's not your problem. I don't even think you need to have a confrontive moment with that person. The real issue of getting your peace back has nothing to do with the other person. The you getting your peace back has everything to do with you saying, Jesus, I gave my shalom away. How do I get my shalom back? How do I get my peace back? And what we'll do is we'll give our shalom or our peace away. We'll feel yucky on the inside. Then we'll do everything we possibly can to manufacture it. We'll manufacture shalom. We'll, we'll, we'll inappropriately uh, get into some alcohol thing or drug thing or relationship thing or internet thing. Or we'll do something just to cause us to find out where can we find some peace? Where can we get some shalom? And the problem is we're going back to the wrong place to get shalom. Shalom can only be found in Jesus He's the author and finisher and perfecter of this irene, this shalom. Too many of us are running, trying to just get a little bit of it somewhere else. You are light into the midst of your family. You are light in the midst of darkness. Man, I'm telling you, love on your family for sure. But at some level, I think our job isn't to just walk up and say, you know what, you're mean, I'm not giving you my peace. I don't think that's it at all. I think you gotta give your peace away. The truth is, make sure you replenish it. Make sure you replenish your peace. Because some of y'all are running on empty. And you're feeling as if the only way that you can possibly survive is to, is to make some up. Hmm. Come on now. We're heading into next week. We call it 21 United. If you've been with us for any length of time, 21 United is when we as a church take three weeks to set aside to read our Bibles, the same passages, the same everything, to read our Bibles, to, to pray together. We, we, every Friday of this 21 United, three Fridays, we're going to have a corporate prayer time, and then we choose to fast, right? We choose to fast. Fasting, if I were to ask you how many of you are just so excited to fast, and any of you raise your hand, I'm going to tell you you're probably lying. But I can tell you, fasting isn't fun. Fasting accomplishes a bunch, right? And if you've, been, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you realize the value. Maybe you would raise your hand looking forward to it. I don't like fasting, come on. But I can tell you this. Here's what fasting really does. The, the gist of fasting is simply to do one thing. Pick a fight with your flesh. Yeah. Tell your flesh no someplace. Just tell your flesh no. And trust me, it'll come up and say like, yes. You tell your flesh, nope, you're not going to eat that. You're not going to watch that. You're not going to touch that. Your flesh will go, watch me. It won't, it won't stop, right? There's a point. Listen to this. We're going into 21 United, three weeks, where we're going to read, pray, and fast together, right? Listen to this. Why in the world would we do these things? This 21 United, I have at its core, there are five things I want to see accomplished in each of our lives. And, and I do this at the beginning of every year because I want us to One, remember our theme, that God is wanting to wake something up in us. And two, to bring us back to uh, getting back on track as we launch into this next year. The more we do this, the longer I feel like we last. Uh, Here's five things I want to see happen in the midst of this 21 United. And this, by the way, is how we're going to regain our shalom. This is how we're going to get back to the peace that we so long for. It's not about drinking another thing or smoking another thing or buying another thing or getting another relationship. That's a manufactured version of shalom. Shalom is when we return to Jesus. We get back to him and say, God, I need, I need to recover my, lost, my given shalom. <laughs> I need to get it back. 
How do you get it back? I think here, here's five things that happen when we do this 21 United. 21 United is when we reassess our walk with God. When we really reassess our walk with God. How it is that we do this this thing. See where we're at. See if you're, you're at the place that you have been wanting to be. 21 United will also help you identify some things in your life that need to die. Just some things that full on need to be put out of your life. 21 United will hopefully help you acknowledge some things that need to come to life. Some things that are dead that need to be brought back to life. Some places that you just like, you got to just push some air into those things that are dead, and you need to say, God, I'm, you know what? i got to get back to that. 21 United hopefully will accomplish that you'll, you'll, you'll understand the direction that God has for your life. And bring, if you're part of our church, God is wanting to wake up something in you. And maybe in this 21 United time, finally, you'll find some place in your life for breakthrough. Find some place in your life for breakthrough. Maybe there's a struggle in your life that you've been dealing. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, an unforgiven moment in your life that you've been hanging on to for 30 years that God's saying, enough. You don't have to hold that thing any longer. It's got a hold of you. It's time to forgive. It's time to get past that. Whatever that thing is, I think there's some breakthrough ready and coming for some of us. And I also believe that there's going to be some healing, some physical healing that God wants to bring about. Is there anything magical about three weeks and 21 United? I don't know, man. Maybe there is. For me, it's just enough time to give my flesh a big fight, right? I could tell you, tell you, make it more spiritual and tell you it was about how many days that the angel wrestled with Jacob. I could tell you all that stuff, but it's three weeks, right? It's just enough to where your fight's going to be just fighting you back. So why fast? Why would I have you fast? Like I said before, I want you to pick a fight with your flesh. Every one of us at some point, because listen, if you don't pick a fight with your flesh, your flesh is going to pick a fight with you. Write that down. Some of your flesh has been picking a fight with you for a long time. Your flesh starts to tell you, nope, don't tell me no. Don't tell me no. Now, does fasting always mean food? Yeah, it can mean food. And if we're going to run real hard and strong towards this thing, yes, it means food. Does it mean fasting for 24 hours for 40 or 21 days? No, listen, it, it, could, it could mean a bunch of things. And I'm just telling you today, we'll talk more about the specific fast next Sunday. But like I remember last year as a church, a bunch of our youth fasted their phones and fasted the internet and fasted whatever thing that had them captive. So, so maybe that's you. I don't know. Some of the people fasted TV. Some people fasted a meal a day or two meals a day or whatever. The issue is getting a hold of your flesh because your flesh has a hold of you. Why? Because of those five things I just told you. I think as we begin to reassess some things that need to die and some things that need to come back to life, in the midst of all of that, my hope is, is that you'll recover your shalom, that you'll find your peace. You'll get it back. You'll be able to say, this is who I am. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm at peace with God. I'm at shalom with God. I'm at wholeness. I'm like that rock that's, that, that, that is filled with a whole bunch of minerals and all kinds of things, but I am solid with myself and who God says I am. The world will tell you you'll never be that enough. I'm here to tell you that's not true. God wants to let you find out who you are in Christ. And you could walk in it in its whole form. In shalom. Hmm. Fasting. Romans 6.12 says this, Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its lustful desires. Don't let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, Give yourselves completely to God. Since you have been given new life, use your whole body as a tool to do what's right for the glory of God. 
I think fasting, once you pick a fight with your flesh, you'll make room for God. You pick a fight with your flesh, you'll recognize how far you've fallen away from God's grace. You'll recognize how far you've walked away. As I talk to people over and over again, I hear these justifications for why they're walking the way they're walking in their walk with the Lord. Well, you know, God loves everyone. God loves this. God loves that. God will allow this. God will allow that. Half the time I'm like, you do realize the Bible says nothing about what you're telling me God will and won't do. You're making stuff up because it's not even in the Bible. And I'm blown away at how many Christians don't know what God already said about some of the decisions we think God's okay with. I want us to get back to reading our Bibles. Why would I have us all read the same passages of Scripture? Here's the real reason. Peer pressure. I want, I want peer pressure to show up. I think peer pressure is God's plan and the devil stole it. I want us all read the same passages of Scripture so someone will walk up to you and say like, I don't know, what you read in your Bible today? Because I know you're reading what I'm supposed to be reading. Go up to somebody, hey, how'd you do today on Tuesday? Did you read the blah, blah passage? And you'll feel silly when you're not reading it. Peer pressure in Jesus' name. I want to invoke it, man. I want to get it to the point where there's actually an expectation that you're reading your Bible because your reading of your Bible is not just for you, it's for me. And me reading my Bible is not just for me, it's for you. I want to read and pray and fast and have us all come together corporately and come into this room and we pray together. Some of you have never been to a corporate prayer meeting. And so I set aside these Friday nights of 21 United and we're going to teach you different kinds of prayer. We want you to understand that prayer doesn't always have to be this sitting down, just saying mindless words. Prayer can be this moment that's a celebration, a worship time. It could be writing in a journal. Prayer can be so many things. It could be painting. It could be doing all kinds of stuff. And we want to help you learn how to express prayer so that you can line your heart up with God's heart. I want you to find your shalom. I want you to be re-engaged again with your erene, that you'll find that place where you are at peace. My heart's desire is for you to experience the shalom you once had. So next Sunday, we're going to start this together. We'll have our kids, they'll all have, here's the great thing, is our kids, they're going to be making the, the same scriptures you're going to be reading as adults. Our kids will be reading as kids. It'll be a kid-sized version of it for sure. And there will be parts that they do that's clearly for kids and it'll help them understand it. But here's also my hope is that peer pressure will take place in your homes. That your kids will say, Daddy, what does this passage mean? And Daddy sends, I don't know. And then Daddy goes and talks to somebody else. Who knows? And next thing you know, everyone's learning. So why do we do this 21 United? Because I want you to find your Shalom. Can we pray? Jesus, Shalom, Prince of Peace. God, we need you. There are people here today, or maybe even watching us online, who've never experienced true Shalom. Maybe there are people here today who are watching us online who have never surrendered their life to Jesus In other words, they've never become a Christian. And today, if that's you, I want you to just simply say, Jesus, I need your shalom. I need your spirit. I need you to fill me with you. Come into my life. I surrender completely to you. I want to become a Christian today and give you all of my yuck for all of your goodness. Go ahead, just say that to him right now. Use your own words. God, I need you. I need you.
Maybe it's been a long time. And this 21 United comes at a perfect time. And you can't believe you showed up to church today because this is the message you've been longing for. I'm telling you, make a decision right now to join us and say, this is me. This is exactly, in the Spirit of God speaking to you right now, you just agree and say, I will give all of my heart towards this because I need to find my shalom. Jesus, I pray today that you help us as a church come to that place of shalom. world's getting weirder and you're getting better. Help us to see that. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom it up.